0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Mama's Talkin' Loud. I'm Kara Cooper. And I'm Jessica Rush. Today's guest was a member of the original Broadway cast of the Tony Award-winning musical Avenue
2: Q and has been named by Playbill as one of the most useful women in theater to follow
1: on social media. Her blog, The Fairy Princess Diaries, is an unfiltered, brutally honest take on social justice, the LGBTQ community, and its inherent connection to all things entertainment. She is a roaring advocate for representation of the AAPI community in show business, and she's funny as hell. Here's our chat with Erin Quill.
0: Hi! Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Having me during May, which is AAPI month. Yes, yes it, it is. is. A- yes. I-, I get so many invitations and I'm like, and I take every <laughs> damn one of them.
1: <laughs> well but you, i guess i get, guess the point is that those invitations need to come all the time right like right. that is it's, the whole point right <laughs> every exactly
0: here for me in may nobody <laughs> nobody wants to hear like april like, dead <laughs> january nothing you know so i, I appreciate every single one of them
2: well we actually well, thrilled to have you here we are we had, we had reached out before actually before may or we had maybe talked about it so i have to say that <laughs> we were already planning to talk to you aaron
0: Yes, that is true. That is true.
2: But, um, yeah. but it all works out really well. But there was yeah. a
0: kid in there somewhere. So
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> Remember yeah. them? Thick kiddos. Lead kiddos. Us, which leads us to our question. We always ask our guests to tell us about their kids. You have a son, correct? You have
0: a son. His name is Liam. He is eight. He's almost nine. He is, uh, a joy most of the time, except apparently in school. Uh <laughs> because he's been surrounded by show people since he was born. So he knows he has timing, which of course is deadly, and um <laughs> makes him a nightmare, uh apparently at certain <laughs> in school. I mean it's great during concerts and everything, apparently, but yeah, in class he's he's really he knows how to make the class laugh and that makes the teacher prob i'm not her favorite person it's really because
2: but you know one day when he's this fantastic comedian and actor yeah. and she'll say he was in my class you know right. you can guarantee right. guarantee she'll do that yeah,
0: <laughs> even though right now like, she's so really I frustrated him and, <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm gonna like yeah, she taught you. Here's the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> it's I funny. Oh, my emails, my multiple emails about Liam is having. It. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> well, and it depends on which teacher he has, because like last year, his teacher thought he was amazing and great and loved all those parts of him. And this year, the teacher's like, because it's third grade, so I guess a little fancier. And this year, the teacher's like, oh, that doesn't fly. mm mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it's get who you get and
1: you don't get upset. But, really hey. Yeah, exactly. And he'll learn to, to learn his audience a little better as, <laughs> as he hones his craft, right? One can only hope. I'm like, <laughs> I not
0: say that in class.
2: He's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> when, when I was in second grade, my parents got a call. Maybe it was first grade because I was singing Texas Has a Whorehouse in It because my dad <laughs> was doing the show. <laughs> and... <laughs> And my teacher was like, Jessica is singing about a whorehouse. So I, my, my parents know
0: that well. Yeah, my, um, like we did a reunion concert for Avenue Q and he was, I guess maybe he was five, maybe he was six. Anyway, he came, Bobby Lopez said to me, one of the great joys of my life, which I thought was going to be this concert is actually watching Liam's face when the internet was for porn was being played, and I was like, <laughs> "Like that's the first thing he said to me when I saw him after the show." He goes, Mom, did you know what porn is? Oh. <laughs> like, yeah,
2: <laughs> that's a showbiz kid for I you. I know. Good
0: parenting, you know. He was held when he was like about six months. He was held by Lorna loft and he was held by. um Barbara Streisand's son, so I was like, uh, I was looking for Chaz Bono all over West Hollywood, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't make it, but I was like, yeah, that that oh, that's some magic that's being passed along. It in really is. Titles, so I have no hope. No,
2: exactly. Well, <laughs> but, and it's you know we talk all the time. That's one of the things I love about our community too, though. You know, it's just the the people, the village that raises our children, and the different types of people they're around, and you know, it's a very special it's a special thing to be a child within our world, I think. And, you know,
0: yeah, absolutely. And like, he, he does, he did a slate the other day cause he does act and um, he did a slate and he, and the question was, tell us about your family. He's like, I have a mom, I have a dad, I have grandparents and I have uncles. I have so many and he goes, and some of my uncles are G A Y, but no problem. I do <laughs> That's the world. That's what it is, and I was like, "Sorry, I just started." I'm like, "Okay, woke eight year old. Yeah, go right woke. ahead. You know, yeah. preach, preach. That's fine. But like, I, I did think of like all his his uncles. You know, mm-hmm. his honorary uncles. Yeah. And I was like, this child knows his audience. Yes. For yeah. sure. He for yes. sure knows his audience and he is playing to the balcony. Exactly,
2: yeah. honey. Exactly. Wow. Well, and with the wokeness, you know, mm-hmm. of your child, but it's not surprising because he has Hello. a mom who is a very outspoken individual right and so yeah. what, will you talk to us because when we first started to know you through our mom's group or see your post or things like that we discovered the fairy princess diaries right blog that you right. have will you tell us how that came to be and what your uh impetus and passion behind it was i mean it's still going it's been several
1: years Aaron, oh it's nine years old you <laughs> wow. are nine years it's committed. Nine years. yeah 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 I mean, a lot of content. I'm in it. I like, somebody said to
0: me recently, like, where's that post? And I was like, dude, I hate <laughs> what? And I tried to find, it's like, there's over 200, probably closer to 300 pieces that I've written on it. So I'm like, I don't know, Daniel. Uh, yeah. Ask Google. Right. Um, so the fairy princess diaries, I was pregnant with Liam. That's why I know exactly ah. how old it is. Um, when I was pregnant, my husband was like, you need a blog. Cause you're not going to work for a while. And I was like, I don't need a blog. Everybody has a blog. That's a cliche. I don't want to, well, who the hell's going to listen to me? And, um, he said, well, I listen to, you. I'm like, you have to listen. To okay. <laughs> That's the job. True. Like, did you see my stomach? I'm dying here. So <laughs> Um one night, so I tried, I, I like did a couple of posts in the beginning. And I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I was then the child was born, right? And then uh I was up for 4 a.m. feeding. And as you do, sometimes you can't fall back asleep. So I'm feeding the, the child and I put him back back down and I look on the internet because of course and they announced casting at La Jolla Playhouse for a show that Ray Lee had told me he had been dying to get an appointment for because it was supposed to be um, an Asian musical. And he didn't know anybody that could get in the door that had our, and for those of you at home who cannot see me, I am Asian. So I'm specifically, I'm mixed race. So I am all the letters of the AAPI, which is very, very frustrating to literally everyone, including myself. Cause I can always be like, mm, I don't know. I have like a little bit of that in me. And they're like, shut up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it would be so easy to be just one thing, but it's not, it's not that easy. So what happened was Ray could not get an appointment to be seen for the Nightingale, which was being done at La Jolla. And there was a Broadway world post or a playbill post that said announcing the cast of Nightingale. And I was like, oh, I wonder who's in it. And I just figure I'm old. I'm not going to know everybody, but like it'll be great to see a bunch of new names that I need to get to know. And I knew none of the names because none of the names really were Asian. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, what? And so then I started reading about it. And the show was specifically set in China. That was the kicker for me. It wasn't like a mythical, you know, Far East ish show it was a show set in China so then I looked and you know no shade to these actors because they didn't cast themselves but like Charlene Woodard was going to be the dowager empress of China and I was like sorry what she's brilliant I mean if I was going to be a, a position of royalty in a in a country that I don't seem to represent I would have you know I don't think that people would let it fly. I think there would be huge blowback. And so I wrote this post and I called it Moises Kaufman can kiss my ass and here's why. And um <laughs> it's subtle, that's very subtle. <laughs> yeah, I know. And 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 I remember I remember, you know, like my boobs hurt, everything and I pressed the button and um and I was shaking as I pressed publish because I thought, well, this'll do it. If I haven't ended my career by having a baby, here we go. And then I, but I looked at him and I thought, you know, he's presenting as Asian and I don't want his experience to really be, let's grow up and only do the King and I, you know, I don't want him to just be young Chula Longhorn and then you know, older children. you know, like yeah. I, I just didn't yeah. want him to only have those three options. Cause what people don't realize about me is that my family is Chinese, but has always been performers. Like my direct line, my grandmother was a concert pianist, my mother was a ballet dancer. Oh. Um, oh, those yeah. careers happened in Australia, but you know, they still hold true. There was very limited things for them to do. And so they turned to teaching. And um, I just didn't want that to continue. I was like, I have one responsibility as a mom, and that's to change the world for the better as I move forward for my kid. It has nothing to do with me. I was like, it's for him. And because it was outside of myself, I did start speaking up because not only was The Nightingale not cast really with, there was one, two Asians in it. One was a little girl and she was covered in feathers. And uh the other one so you couldn't tell. She was right. like in feathers in a cage or something. And then the other one um did wind up on like Orange is the new black and she was in the original company of waitress. Um but they were the only representations. And um as we it, all for a
2: show set in China. Set in China. Right. Yeah. It About, wasn't
0: like it was no. like the right. they came yeah. out and the first line was like here in China and everybody right. went And we heard from, so that led to like kind of a revolution, which was really sort of interesting to watch because I was outside of it, right? I was breastfeeding. I was not going around to any, um, to do any panels or anything else. And they were all like, like I literally turned on the news and somebody was talking about it in San Francisco. And they were like, why did Aaron Quill write this article? And my friend Greg (laughs) is like, you know, I know Erin, and I don't know why she wrote it, but it's something that we all... And I'm like, why is nobody asking me? Nobody right. is asking me. I right. one that wrote it. No reporter called me, no newspaper reached out to me, but everybody was talking about it. And it led to a revolution, I think, of sorts in the acting community and how we talk about casting and how we talk about what we qualify as yellowface performing or or whitewashing. And it was important. And then I started getting a flood of requests. Like I started getting requests from England and Australia and France, and they all had these similar issues. You know, um, the King and King and I. We had it in Dallas as well. In Dallas and in France, they cast uh, Caucasians as as the King in the King and I, and what repercussions that led to. So while it just grew from that one post for me personally it's had a huge impact globally like i feel like globally now i can go pretty much anywhere in england or europe or or even further new zealand and i could have asian performers from that country come up and say oh you're the fairy princess i've always wanted to meet you it's led to like a host of long abiding friendships that have that are close to now a decade old Um, when I went to England, I got to hang out with people. I mean, it was, it's been good for me. Uh, it did have an impact on my availability for casting, Mm -hmm. which my agent was like, well, you made this decision. Could (laughs) have kept your mouth shut lady. I was like, I know, but then it would be the world would be different. Right.
2: Right. Right. Well, and I think that right now, you know, when you wrote that nine years ago, that kind of conversation with your agent happened, especially, I think, particularly because not as many people were speaking out about any racial issues, right? Right. Racial equity was not a conversation that was happening. Um, And so now that's now we're like, if we're not taking a stand and not speaking up, that is the problem i think do you know what i mean with yeah, the, absolutely. with what's happening within our community and i think there's this racial uh, reckoning that is happening and that has been sort has been needed obviously you know what i mean and and um and you were leading the charge like you were a voice from the jump that that people weren't even you know what i mean like and i think yeah. we and i think that it think it took a while for the aapi community i know it did to become a part of the race conversation as well. Like we have to remember that it's not just black and white. It's also indigenous people of color and our Asian um, AAPI community. And so um, here you are now. You've been been shouting it out for nine years. I'm the OG. Yeah, you are.
0: I I mean, to a certain (laughs) extent, there's always people that come before you, right? But the difference has been the internet, Mm
1: -hmm. right? Mm
0: -hmm. Right, not just for porn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the difference has been the internet for me, which is is a, is a thing that I I guess take from Q that I didn't realize I was taking. It was about the possibility of reaching people across the country and across the globe and having these these conversations about representation, about what you grew up with. I think you know, um, the fairy princess is a persona I put. Outside of myself, I do write it kind of in the third person. Uh, But she has her own personality. And she doesn't just write about AAPI issues. She writes for everybody. Like anywhere there's an issue where people need an amplification, uh, I write about it. You know, there was... And I even write in certain respects against the AAPI community because then NAP was going to do an all Asian production of showboat. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I I was like, Oh no, 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 no. We don't do that. No, no, no. Don't do this. Don't do this. And, and my first post led to them having to have a community meeting about it. And I wasn't going to go. And then people from the community called me and they were like, you have to go because they're only having this meeting because of you. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to like, go face these people down. So I was. I said to my husband, I was like, okay, we're gonna go to this meeting. I'm not gonna say anything. And he was like, you're gonna say something. good luck with that. And I was like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And, And we walked in, and I remember Jose Lanya was there, Orville Mendoza was there, and we were all on kind of the same side because we'd all been kicking around for the same amount of time and we understood the repercussions. And I think the thing was the creatives who conceptualized this did not consider the repercussions of doing that and I said I did wind up saying in the meeting I was like what you don't realize is and, and you know to be fair this the creative director over there the artistic director is Bayork Lee and she was fully behind it Tony Winter Bayork Lee mm-hmm. and I'm not saying this to trash her because I like Bayork although we haven't spoken since I've said this to her um <laughs> Cause that's, that's repercussions too. Right. Right. Yeah. And I knew when I posted that post, I was like, none of these people are going to speak to me again because I'm, I'm kind of, can I say shitting? I, yeah, I was yeah, like, because absolutely. I'm, because I'm shitting on what, and the, and the, and I'm not actually saying don't do musicals where you cannot change casting and showcase Asian Americans. What I'm saying is we don't borrow stories that revolve around trauma from other people. Mm -hmm. That is not something that we want to be known for. We don't have an all play card. And what I said to her in that meeting was, because Bayark originated the role of Connie Wong in A Chorus Line. And I said to her, I looked at her dead in the eye and I said, if you do this, Connie Wong, which is your legacy, part of it, will never, ever be cast with an Asian-American Pacific Islander again. Because once you say it's an all play, that people are going to take it and use it. And the revenge will be swift. It will be lasting. Mm -hmm. You will be damaging long-term what that show has meant for Asian-Americans. And I think that was honestly the only way I did get through
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because what they were thinking was, you know, Tommy Toon was going to direct it. And it was going to be, he was envisioning like Gower champion choreography, like re-envisioned and, and he wasn't thinking. And frankly, he's also part native American. So like I was taking on, like, I was like, Oh my God, I don't want a war of people of color going after one another and say like there are just certain stories you should not do and showboat is legitimately one of them yeah and so yeah writing the blog has been very it's been an education I think I expect less of people across the board um because I know my opinion is not always popular Hmm. and I feel that because I am mixed race, I have seen so much, so many variables in my life, and I've, I've, you know, my dad was white, he was Irish American, and um, he was an attorney, he was a labor attorney, and his family was very big in the labor movement in this country, and I feel that responsibility to come down on the moral side of what. I am writing about and the moral side is not always the popular side it is not always the side that is most comfortable it is not the side that's gonna win you friends and influence people it's simply the moral choice and that's you know I I have tons and tons of AAPI friends now right and Do I think that if they're all meeting at Banchan, they're going to get chicken with me? No, they're not gonna get chicken with me. They are like, I'm a necessary evil. I walk, like they don't know what to do with me. And so like my friends tend to be very diverse, like the ones I call and text and whatever. But I think even now the AAPI community doesn't know what to do with me, but they know I have a lens, they know I have a voice and we have a mutual goal, which is equality and equity. And so, you know, we have a love-hate relationship with each other. I'm not going to agree every time with them, and they're not going to agree every time with me, and that's okay.
1: I think it's so interesting. I mean, and Erin and I, we didn't know you before you were a mother. Right. But it seems like that moment of becoming a mother is really what emboldened you to put this out there. Right. It was like Absolutely. that responsibility to change the world for your child. Yeah. And I think that I, I know that both Jessica and I have, have experienced that too. It's like, it's, it's the, the wheels are off. Like the, the gloves are off almost. Right. Yeah. It's you, like, you're going to go to, you yeah. have
0: to, you have to say something, you have to act because it is about the future. It, it becomes something outside of yourself. And once it's outside of yourself, once you let go of all your, your hangups and your, what are people going to, what are people going to say? And I can't say that and everything. I was like, you know what? I can say that because I don't have to speak for me. I have to speak for this little person who is completely helpless. And if I don't speak for him now, when he's young and change the world for him, as he gets older, then the world is never going to be different. Right. And he'll turn and look to me and say like, well, why didn't you say anything?
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: And it's like guilt. It's like guilt from an infant, which is a whole different. (laughs) Well, we could go there, but I know it's like, why don't you pick me up more? Why don't you, you know, like all those things that you're like, I'm so sorry. Like you're apologizing to this person that can't even speak. (laughs) Oh God! So it's,
1: it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't change it. It's also really empowering. I think, you know, especially as people in our industry that are so, um, you know, our hands are tied by the opportunities that we're given a lot of the time. And once you have a kid, you're like, you know what, (laughs) I'm, I'm going to be more specific about how I am in this world now. And you aren't as concerned about how you are received or how someone else views you. At least that was my experience. Yeah, Um, no, I think
0: so. Yeah, for sure. And, it, Let's and take- also, like it's not just that I le- like. For example, um, I was I was asked to corroborate somebody's story, um, and it was a Me Too story. And the reporter said to me, "May I use your name?" And I said, "Yes." And then the reporter said to me, "Hold on, nobody. There's only been one other person that's allowed me to say their name. Why are you letting me?" say this name. And I said, because I think I've built up enough cred through my blog that people understand if I am saying it, I believe it to be true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I said, if I cannot lend that to a friend, a friend who's in need, uh, what good is it? And so I don't, you know, I, I have friends across the board. I have friends of all kinds. And when they need me, I am there for them, whether it needs to be on the blog or whether it needs to be, you know, in a court case and so or an article. And I just do it because I've chosen to be difficult. <laughs> 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 to be a truth teller yes and that's I, yeah
2: yeah and that's very much like where kara and i are these days we're yeah, like absolutely like, I went you to know a what panel
0: you guys did at broadway con and i was like oh i like those ladies they're they're <laughs> fun and they get it and and that was that was really what it was it was like i just need to be the person that i always hope to be reading all the books I read as a kid and wanting to be these like kind of stand up, kick ass and take names, you know, ladies throughout, you know, not even ladies. Like I was a Sherlock Holmes fan. I always wanted to be Sherlock. Holmes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah. that's who I wanted to be. So I feel that I have chosen. If I wasn't going in that direction, I have chosen to go in that direction. And that is largely due to my son.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: Um, you just talked about BroadwayCon, which mm. actually is the perfect lead-in to our next question. Oh. You just recently um, moderated a panel for yes. BroadwayCon. Um, and you spoke about how the lack of representation in for, of the AAPI community I know in it's theater. a mouthful, right? <laughs> it really is. Some, <laughs> one of my friends said it recently. They said a whatever the American in Paris sh- lingo short right. is. I was like, oh. no, 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 that's wrong. Hey. That's wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be so great if the AAPI worked with
1: American in Paris. It's American in Paris, right? Uh, Of course. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, um, you talked about how it's incumbent upon the theater, theater community, Hollywood community, to represent the AAPI community because of the... Unbelievable increase in violence against the AAPI community and how those are actually directly related. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: I think one of the most empowering things is to see someone on television, whether we agree with that being the psychosis or not. And mm-hmm. I think that Americans are more tied to our entertainment mediums than any other country, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend an extraordinary amount of time on online and on screens and absorbing, uh, culture, you know, and when you do not see people in primary roles, what you're taking away from it, whether it's conscious or unconscious, and of course it's unconscious, is that those stories about those people do not matter. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly being told that, well, their feelings don't matter, their stories don't matter, they're not really people, they're just adjunct to the main character's story in a service way. Like if somebody goes to the doctor, okay, current current television, television casting is like, possibly they go to an Asian American Pacific Islander doctor. And, um, you know, so that doctor on the show they tell them like, hey, you got to watch your blood pressure. And then the white character goes out and is like, well, the doctor says I have to watch my blood pressure. And that's all you see them as. You don't see the doctor as a father or a mother or a caretaker. You see them in service to other characters. And so much of what we absorb on television seeps into our daily life. Like television is honestly elevating who matters and who doesn't matter. And we, when, so for example, I'll just say, so my, I I was with, I was in the park with my son and my two nieces who are very close in age to him. So it's like, currently we have a 10 year old an almost nine-year-old and an eight-year-old, right? And then in a couple of months, somebody will have a birthday and, and it'll be back to like two nine-year-olds and a 10-year-old. And, a and I took them to the park. This little boy was kind of harassing them. And the girls are more sensitive to that, obviously, than Liam. Liam's like, whatever. And uh, my niece, Grace, asked me, you know, as we were leaving, because I, I just finally got like annoyed that, The mom was not saying anything to the little boy. And I said, well, we'll leave. And then Gracie said, but before we leave, can you talk to that kid's mom in case we come back and we see him again? And I was like, Gracie, you know, it's really dicey to talk to people in the park. And she's like, yeah, but. And they don't call me auntie. They call me air that like Aaron. And she's like, but air. Like, I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about it. And so I thought about it, and I was like, again, I was like, I have to take the moral ground here, right? She's telling me she's uncomfortable as a female child. So I have to show her that it is okay for grownups to intercede. That's, that's what has to happen. So the kids walk towards where the car is, and I go up to the mom, and she had been talking very actively with this gentleman, and, um, and they were both white. And I said, Hey, are you, I don't know what the kid's name was like at the time I did, like, are you David's mom? And she said, yes. And I said, can I just share with you? I said, David's been like, we're leaving now. But part of the reason we're leaving is because David's been a little aggressive with, with my nieces and they feel uncomfortable about staying. And I just wanted to let you know. And before this woman really could even, first she started to like, no, he would never act like that. And I was like, well, you know, I'm telling you, he's acting like that. I'm not trying to get into a fight with you. I'm just telling you so that next time, you know, we don't have this issue. Well, this man jumped in and he started, he started it with me. He started it at like an 11, you know, mm. he was yeah. like, you know what you are? You're disgusting. And I was like, excuse me. And he's like, you're disgusting. You're a disgusting person. And you come from disgusting people. All you people are like this. Now, keep in mind, I have three children watching this interaction. So again, like the part of me that wanted to feel like safer, wanted to run away, but I can't run away because what am I going to teach my kids if I run away? So my legs are shaking, but I'm calm. It's like that thing when like, You know your first understudy performance, right? (laughs) You're like, okay, shit, this is gonna be awful, Uh, and and I've had no rehearsal, Um, and and you and you're like, but I kind of know it, I kind of know it. Um, So you, so I'm standing there, and I know my knees are knocking, but I know outwardly I look calm. And I was like, listen, I am telling you, I'm not a disgusting person. I think you're acting outrageous. I think you're violating kind of like every ethical code here, and I didn't back down. But he started shouting, like he started getting more wild. To be fair to the other parents, they were very, very far away. So like I started to see the guy, the men there were like looking over like, wait, what is, what is going on? You know, it's that bystander thing where you're like, I don't know what that is. So to me, like, as I've had time to process it now, and I went away and my nieces were very upset. Oh,
1: I'm sure. Very upset.
0: And my son was not quite as upset. He goes, did they yell at you because you're Asian? And I was like, yeah, kinda. And he goes, yeah. And then he said to his cousins, he goes, that happens, you know, because Mm -hmm. my son has gotten it. My son went to camp and this kid told him, well, I'm not gonna high five you because you're Chinese. And the Chinese gave us coronavirus. And I was like, oh, and then we were at the pool and somebody said, can he open his eyes? You know, so like consistently, what i have to tell them is like those people do not have asian people in their lives and they don't know us so it's upon us how we take their questions right how do we take them as they're inquiring because they really want to know or they feel we're so low on the ladder that they can talk to us disrespectfully and talk to us like we have no feelings, or we're just there to service their information. You know, or we're just there to provide information. And so I do hold theater accountable for that. I do hold uh, films accountable for that and television because we had, I mean, the first showcases, the first diversity showcases, CBS, NBC and Fox. I was in the first ones for uh, Fox and CBS. And I remember going in and they told me, and this was a million years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And they told me, maybe it's even longer than that. I don't know, I'm old. Um, they told me that the world was changing, that they had seen my performances and that I was for sure going to be on a show upcoming. And I wasn't. Although Masioka, who was my scene partner, he was. Uh, he was. On, he went to be on Heroes. Um, and they told me, like, the world is changing and we want to be ahead of the curve. And then nothing changed, right? And yeah. so I know that, like, years ago, they had these opportunities to invite us into... Oh, sorry, there's a siren. That's all right, New York City. We're right. close to a yeah. hospital, so it's like... Mm. <laughs> um, So they had these opportunities years ago to change the dynamic, and they chose not to take him. And so what has happened is we've had an incredible rise uh, for hate crimes against Asian American Pacific Islanders. And it's so, I think, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the number, it's over 6,000, according to Next Shark. And again, it if you don't see us as human, it's really easy to attack us with a hammer. If you don't see us as human, it's really easy to go and push us down because you're having a bad day. It is really easy to throw acid in someone's face, someone who is studying to be a doctor and take one of their eyes because you don't see this person as representing anything other than someone who is in your way and taking up your space. And the television, film, theater, landscape has told us all repeatedly through the years that we are adjunct to the main story. And it has repercussions, you know? Mm. It's like, do, do people care about us? No, they absolutely do not. Because they have been told it's not necessary to be an American and care about Asian American Pacific Islanders. The largest lynching in the United States, the largest group lynching, was against Chinese Americans. You know, it, and I think that, you know, on Asian Americans now is is the onus also to say like, okay, you passed this stop AAPI hate bill, but what about the anti lynching Emmett Till bill? Where is that? Because we have also uh, we also share that terrible heritage um why does rand paul get to hold it up he's one guy he's one guy <laughs> but the truth is like as much as we try to join our forces with other groups you know we do get a lot of blowback and we do get blowback even from those groups like we've been attacked even from those groups so it is a constant struggle because we're just not conscious in the psyche of america and it's really yeah it's really draining. There's no reason that we shouldn't have more leads on Broadway. There's no reason I mean, I went to Carnegie Mellon yeah I'm not somebody who can't belt their face off, but ask me if I've been a lead in a Broadway show yeah. right? I mean, I see my classmates they're on right. they're up there they're singing and dancing and doing all sorts of wonderful things and it is what it is at the same time it needs to change. You know, now I'm probably in the old lady character actor parts. But <laughs> join the club. You know, yeah, I know. Gonna, that's where <laughs> we are. My little walker be like ching. <laughs> 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 well, like I'll be Mulan's grandmother. Right. And they bring it to Broadway. <laughs> The flower that blooms in adversity is the strongest flower of all. <laughs> but it, you know, it is, yeah, it's an issue. It's been a huge issue. And um it's not going anywhere soon, but I think no. that no. more Asian American Pacific Islanders are starting production companies because they've had success as actors. So I expect by the time I expect honestly, tremendous movement in about 15 years. Oh my god. It's a long time. I know. Which is a yeah, long time. It's a I
1: long mean, time. You can't, it's not a sprint. No. No, it's a marathon. No.
2: None of this is, right? It's it's yeah. all a marathon. And yeah.
1: It's 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 so interesting because, you know, what we do, it's as storytellers, it we're telling people who to empathize with. And right. that's really what the key key is, right? We're not teaching empathy to any other race besides the white American, right? And so right. that's why everybody is, I mean. I'm not going to say everybody, but that's why this rise in 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 crime has been so easy to happen because of our pre- our former president and his rhetoric. The, the 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 audience was ready to hear it because they hadn't been told another story in film and TV. Well, they were hiding under rocks, and he well, you know, I'm but, allowed but I'm saying out, yeah, right. But I'm saying it is on the the film and TV industry, right. the theatrical industry, because you know. Americans aren't the smartest (laughs) and they need to be hand-fed who to empathize with. I mean, mean,
0: there's a story about Lucille Ball and she was taking an airplane and she was flying over the country. And she said to her, whoever was sitting with her, you know, I could walk into any of those living rooms down there and they would welcome me. And that's pretty much the crux of the matter is that we're not there. So we're always foreign. Right right're not there, so even if you know in San Francisco, some of the families are five, six generations in America, still looking you know relatively Asian, depending on uh who they started families with, and they can just as easily be told go back to China uh when the truth is that their lineage is is so long, you know they'd be kind of part right. of America you know, they're part of america yeah, right. but um yeah it's it's very. It's hard to, it's hard to take in all the ways in which we've had the rugs pulled out from under us and it's hard to, it is hard to process. Like I was talking to Pearl, Mm -hmm. son, who was, do you know, somebody threw rocks at her at the park? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. And she said, she's not taking her son to school anymore she's Oof. having her, her husband take him because she said he won't be safe if he's with me oh. that's I mean for a mom to have to say my child is not safe with me yeah, is yeah. I mean that's heavy, heavy I mean memory. it was the
1: same we were talking with Ruthie Ann about how she yeah. was teaching her elderly grandmother how to protect herself how to spray mace and how to you know walk down the street and be able to protect herself yeah, in any yeah. situation yeah and she said yeah. i don't know if i'll ever feel comfortable going on the subway again
2: oh yeah, i i that. was
0: working i i did book a couple of jobs and i had to go in the city and i absolutely did not take uh the subway and also i panicked before the shoot and i was like i need highlights and like everybody was like what and i said i need highlights i need i, I have to go i have to go to the hairdresser and I got these highlights. Now, granted, they were slightly a disaster, um, <laughs> as anything is when you panic and do it. But I was walking. My hair was very, very heavily highlighted. Uh, I had very big glasses that covered my eyes, and I had that thought: like, am I going to be safe now? Do I look not Asian enough now mm. to not get mm. hit? And it was. You know, it was a legitimate and then I got mad at myself for thinking that But this
2: but the world we're in right now, unfortunately, that is a very real concern.
1: Yeah and it's and the,
2: heartbreaking and maddening and disgusting but that's And we yeah. just
1: have to continue to get the stories out there so that mm-hmm. the reality is undeniable because I think that's a big part of it right now people we aren't seeing it enough in the mainstream media and the news that people can just brush it aside and be like that's not really happening Mm -hmm. you know right but when you see
0: the video of somebody stomping on somebody else's head and sending them into a coma um you have to really wonder like what what world are we living in right yeah because I wouldn't want it to you know my nieces do not present as Asian right Uh, they present as little blonde girls (laughs) <laughs> and and they're and they're my biological nieces they're fully related to me but you know my family is mixed and that's that's the way the cards played out and i i am just as concerned for them growing up in a world where people are so easily attacked as i am for my son mm-hmm. you know they will probably both i i mean they're all taking martial arts mm-hmm. and my son like didn't want to go last week he said I don't want, why do I have to go to Taekwondo? I said, because sometimes I won't be with you and you're going to need to know how to defend yourself. And Mm -hmm. he looked at me like, what? And I was like, maybe that was too heavy for an almost nine year old. (laughs) Well, like (laughs) maybe you should dial it back a little bit, but he's already had it. So I can't really.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh my gosh, Aaron. I know. This is just... (sighs) First off, I just want to say as we start to wrap up, I just want to say thank you for sharing that personal story. And I because I do think that those are, well, we need to hear them all. Yeah. And I and we have to talk about them and we have to bring them to the forefront because when like, just like when we see representation makes people more human on a screen, hearing the stories, the personal stories makes people more human. Um, and i'm so and that human is right home. now you're very I'm
0: like, human i'm like uber human right now you are <laughs> I'm so tired of being human i, need to I, I mean I'd right i'd rather yeah. be an alien that is <laughs> truth I adulting might, and being
2: human is, is not, right now is fun. real real hard but um but thank you i mean i truly thank you i it's we've heard like you said the story from pearl and from these people who we know and love and just in general it's um it's hard. It's really scary out there right now. And I and I and we obviously don't present as anything other than white. And so to a certain degree, we are not in fear. But I will tell you this. I was on the subway yesterday waiting and I held Elliot back in the middle of the platform and against that wall because in general, the hate is up. And yeah. people are angry, and they are scared, and they are frustrated, and those are not any reasons to cause harm to anyone else. But it does—it um, makes everything. Everything is is on a. It's it's simmering at a very very hot level.
0: Yeah, we're all at like a thirteen. Yeah, you know, and yeah. we thought the speaker stopped working at ten. Yeah. Right. Like like, you know, like everybody's, everybody's (laughs) it's like I didn't even know it could go that high. What? Right. 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 You know. So it is. Yeah. It's. It's. And I. I do encourage everybody to take bystander training. Yes. I do think that that's one thing that, like, universally across the board, people can do when they feel like, well, you know, obviously, like, you're you're not like taking a swing at me on the subway. Um, but there is like a whole program that they use to like de-escalate situations, support situations. Yeah. And I do encourage everybody to take it and have your kids take it too. You know, that's, that's like legitimately a really cool way to feel like you're helping the situation and it does help the situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's the same way you teach your kid to like stand up for the kid that's being made fun of at the playground, right? It's the same yeah. thing. It's just how we put it into action as an adult. I said to, yeah, I said to Sophie, like when
0: she was younger, she didn't want to play with this little boy. And I said to her, you know, the reason I said, so you're treating that little boy like other people treat Liam. And she was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I said, that's what you're doing right now. I said, so now I need you to fix it. And she went over and she was like, I'm sorry, we should play. And then she, they played, you know, Mm -hmm. it's... it's to have these conversations with kids is awful. You want them to grow up in a utopia. You want them to have just the best time ever, every single day. Yeah. But sometimes you can't, you can't do that. You know, you have to, it's not a fairy tale.
1: And in a lot of ways, I think that's, it's better to prepare them because life isn't a fairy tale, right? So let them see the situation and how to make it better. Yeah. What, what a better way to go through life than to be like, wait, this isn't, this isn't the dream I was promised. And now yeah. what do I do? You know?
0: Yeah. So like, I never it's... promised you a rose. Garden. <laughs> <laughs> none, of, none of it's the but, dream
2: that we were promised. I mean,
0: hello. You <laughs> know. It's very, I dreamed a dream right now. Everybody's Fontine. <laughs> Everyone, Everyone is, is like, Fontine. <laughs> I think, <laughs> think Fontine would so be like, I don't, you know, she'd be, she'd be so like, frustrated with out. all of us. She'd yeah. be like, she'd be you know like, what? I'm,
1: out of I here. died and you didn't change it.
0: <laughs> right. exactly. exactly, exactly. But in Aaron, French, it would be much classier. Yeah, it's definitely. But to, definitely. All, to
1: all our listeners, I know we like took a deep dive, but if you want like a healthy dose of humor, but also to feel really emboldened for change, um, you got to check out Fairy Princess Diaries. You will laugh, but you will also feel totally fired up yep. to fight for what's right in this world. Um, yep. You really just walk such a great line, Aaron, with that. Um, well,
0: there's a lot of drag queen gifts. Yeah, there's a lot of it. gift, You know, so, because it's better to say it with humor. Drag right. queens better make better everything, everything better. with humor. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It makes it better. Exactly. Erin, thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Happy May. Happy, Happy May. May. Be well.
2: <laughs> Be well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic. Kristen anderson lopez bobby lopez and justin ward weber for our awesome theme song our producers dory berenstein alan seals and of course the broadway podcast network for bringing us to you